This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is April 5th, 2021. As always, I'm joined by the god, Luke Sylvia. What's up, dude? What's up? Just uh, watching Gonzaga out of the corner of my eye getting just absolutely blasted by Baylor. It's 35-18 in the first half. This is all irrelevant to you guys listening to this right now because you know what happens. But, um, do, I mean, at this point, Baylor's putting on a defensive clinic. Uh, and that's essentially all it is. I mean, Gonzaga's just getting bullied on the boards, bullied everywhere. So, um, Gonzaga, you know, zero championships, and unless something changes, it is college basketball, anything can happen, but Gonzaga just, like, might not win a championship again in their most promising year. Undefeated right now, kind of crazy. It is pretty crazy. Everybody, a lot of people know that uh, Gonzaga beat uh, UCLA the other night in overtime off of a Jalen Suggs three. A lot of people are talking about how that's the greatest college basketball game they've ever seen. Luke and I would both agree that um, at least in our lifetime, it's probably the the UNC Villanova a championship game from 2017 is as painful as that is for me to say. Right, Luke? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that game was great. I, I do wonder I because you and I talked about that this afternoon and then I kind of went back honestly and and looked at the game flow and everything like that and i i do wonder if the final seconds of that game made that game a little overrated like it, it was a it, did, what are you talking about back to back unc but, was down unc was down 10 with 2 minutes to go in I, that game i just and came all the way back listen i told you this marcus page hits that shot first of all he hits the the huge 3 in the corner uh with like within a minute to go or something like that but then he hits the double clutch three. Nobody in the world could tell me at, in that moment in time that UNC was going to lose that game. I, I was more sure about anything that I had ever experienced in my entire life that they were going into overtime and winning that game. How can you say, obviously, like it's a big deal that Chris Jenkins hits the three. Every time I watch the Bulls and I see Richie, Diarca, Richie Archie Diacono, <laughs> I just think of that dribble handoff that he had to Chris Jenkins. Isaiah Hicks doesn't close out on Chris Jenkins. He hits the three. Obviously, that's a huge deal, but the last few minutes of that game were phenomenal. I don't know how you can say it was overrated. Right, but it was, the, it was the last few minutes, though, right? Like, the rest of the game, the quality-wise, like, it wasn't. It wasn't Get that. out of here. So, I, okay, so game, okay, so game seven of the NBA Finals wasn't that good in 2016. Okay, dude, listen. Nope. The, the what standard are we holding this to? The, re- Either the rest of the, the series. The last few minutes matter or they don't? Made game seven what it was. No, <laughs> Yeah. No, no, it doesn't matter. You have one. Everybody knows you get to game seven. It's one game to win them all. National championship. It's one game to win them all. The entire game is tense. And you don't get that when you're going back and watching the replay. Like, sure, well, you're watching the last few minutes and guys are hitting big shots and the crowd's really going crazy. But these are 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids. Like the whole 40 minutes of that game is incredibly tense. They play these games in basically like football stadiums. There's a hundred thousand people at these games. Like, no, I would completely disagree with that. That's that's blasphemy as far as I'm concerned. That game was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal game. And, and my game. team lost. That was before Boots was traded, that was the lowest point of my sports fandom mm. was Chris Jenkins hitting that shot. 
Marcus Page is still my all-time favorite North Carolina Tar Heel, uh, and that shot just robbed Marcus Page of a national championship. The next year, you know, uh, Joel Berry, uh, Kennedy Meeks, Justin Jackson, who was waived today by the Oklahoma City Thunder, which kind of sucked to find that out. Um, but those guys, it was the redemption tour that year, and, and they got their redemption in, in that freaking just they beat Gonzaga in the national championship. Funny enough, but miss me with that talk about that that game wasn't was phenomenal. Great, that it game was, was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I just I'd have to do some real digging before I you know deem what the, the best one was. In the moment, I thought that was the case. I'm just I'm just reflecting a little bit, you know. I got you. No, I understand. Mm-hmm. It, it maybe you know maybe my my UNC bias has something to do with that. I'll, I'll admit that, but. Anyways, we'll see what happens with with Gonzaga. I mean, Jalen Suggs, is, you know, everyone's talked about him being, you know, probably the top three or top four, depending on which draft board you look at. So, you know, there's a, a possibility. Um, what was it? Uh, Timmy. Uh, no, the, the, one of the uh, the I think it was the UNC, co- not the UNC, the UCLA coach. Uh, after the game, said that, said that Jalen Suggs' shot was magical, and a lot of people were like, "Huh, magical? Mm. Huh?" So I, I did don't see that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, anyways, we'll see what happens with with Gonzaga and, and with uh, Baylor. I'm sure Luke will will keep us updated if that game starts getting uh, a little bit closer. But Luke, we also have uh, we've got some some tank implications scoreboard watching tonight. So right now um, it's 10:03 Eastern time. Right now, there are seven minutes, 22 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. The Rockets are up 106 to 104 against the Suns. So that's going to be an interesting watch. Um, they got all the momentum the right now, too. They were losing pretty Yeah, they, they were down, uh, I think, double digits, actually. Timberwolves won 116 to 106 against the Kings. Pistons won 132 to 108. We were talking about Killian Hayes in, in 25 minutes. Put up a pretty... Pretty impressive uh, stat line. Scoring wasn't anything crazy, but had some rebounds, some assists, four steals in 25 minutes. And the Cavs beat the Spurs 125-101. to So, obviously, the Magic lost last night to the Denver Nuggets, which we'll talk about a little bit in a, in a few moments here. But some, some good uh, tank implications around the league tonight, Luke. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, the Magic are fourth and fourth worst in the league right now, which is good. Uh, Washington has played one less game than them, but Washington is a half a game up. But yeah, Cleveland that kind of propelled them one more spot above above Washington, I believe. So, Magic. I mean, try to try to get to the top three worst record and uh, to have the best best chance of that top three pick. So the first pick. So. So let's talk about the weekly state of the Magic really quickly, Luke. So, uh, the Magic went two and two on the week. Uh, with wins um, against the Los Angeles Clippers Tuesday night, 103 to 96, uh, an overtime win against the New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans Thursday, a 115 to 110 win, and then a blowout loss. The it was one point away, Luke, from being the worst uh, loss, at least margin uh, of of loss, I guess you would say, in franchise history. 46 points, one off, setting the record for the Orlando Magic. Uh, 137 to 91, and then last night uh, lost in Denver, the last game of the road trip, 119 to 109. Um, really frustrating game, 
especially last night. It was close. Watch. It was closer. I don't wanna, it was closer. Than yeah, that. it was closer than that. I don't. I really don't want to talk about the Utah game. There's just not much to go over. You don't want to talk about Jamal Murray like acting like the wind. No, no. I don't, we'll talk about no. We'll talk about Denver. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Utah. Utah was just oh well. Like yeah. you lose by 46 points. No, that game. Never everything goes close. right for them. Everything goes wrong for you guys. But yeah, last night was just stupid. Magic. I think we're up by like 19 points uh, at, at one point in that game. Denver starts chipping at the lead in the third quarter, and then obviously in the fourth quarter, you know, they take the lead. But so the Denver Nuggets basically shot almost twice as many free throws in this game as the Magic did. But watching the game, you never would have got that notion. Like, first quarter, uh, Jokic, like, drives to the basket, does get fouled by Wendell Carter. Like, I will will give him that. It was Mm -hmm. a foul. Doesn't get the call. Terrence Ross starts dribbling the ball up the floor. Jokic comes sprinting over, <laughs> cocks back, like that game was Sunday, cocks back to last Wednesday, <laughs> just slaps Terrence on the arm. Like, I believe Terrence was dribbling the ball with his left hand. Jokic slaps him in the right shoulder. Terrence turns around like, bro, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing right now? Jokic was crying to the rest of the entire game. The rest review it. They say it was a common foul because there was no windup. Luke, you – the folks at home can't see this. This is that's a wind up. Yeah, you bring you bring your arm back. That's a wind up. Like there yeah. was m- maybe no follow through, but at least they were consistent on that call because there was a, a, another call. Um, Terrence actually fouling Jokic later on. That was it was a hard foul. Terrence was letting him know like, hey, I got you. I got you back. They reviewed that and it was a common foul. But yeah, like you alluded to, towards the end of the game, you know Jamal Murray is making fun of R.J. Hampton, who was a rookie on his team like two weeks ago, making fun of him for, for shooting an air ball. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, the game's over. And Jamal Murray and, and those guys, they're celebrating like they they just won a playoff series. And then Jamal Murray gets on Twitter like 10 minutes later. He's like, oh, where are all the haters at now? Like, first of all, I think indirectly I gave this team the stomach flu. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I had the stomach flu, and since then, everybody on this team has had the stomach flu, it seems like. Like Michael Carter-Williams and, and Ken Birch, those guys have been out. Uh, and now it, it was Ennis and, and Mo the other night. Those guys, um, you know, both playing last night, still recovering from the flu because we needed them to have eight available guys. Jason Randall dealing with a bad hamstring. He played the game. So, like, Denver is, is – Beating a team who is being they're being bad on purpose and they're also not healthy, so it was just it was just ridiculous to see them cry to the refs the entire night and then celebrate that game like it was some big achievement. I, I will say though, last night's game is a perfect example of I that's I wouldn't mind if every game the rest of the season went that way, you know, like the, the young guys build a lead it sucks to see them give away the lead and you talk about making good habits like yes that sucks uh but denver's not a bad team so i, I didn't mind blowing that game number one because we're tanking uh very clearly number two i'm like i said denver's a good team um now i if you, we can get into the positives right i mean you had all the young guys it, it, it's one thing if the magic would have been up because of the veterans because of you know solely because of guys like ennis and bacon and whatever but, I mean, Jonathan, you look at the box score of last night, and I'll pull it up here real quick for the young guys. Just a, a, a really encouraging game. I mean, they don't have any really choice but to put up numbers at this point because they're playing so much. But, um, 
you know, you got RJ Hampton probably to not know even what to do with all this playing time he's getting. Played 33 minutes last night, um, which is really, I mean, that's something that that he is very valuable to to anybody, especially a young player like him who, in Denver, rode the bench, played nine, ten minutes a game, um, as a result of being on a good team. So last night, RJ Hampton has 16 points, seven of 13 from the field, and that's one thing, man. Like one thing to look at with these games and these young players playing big minutes. Yes, it is not a big deal if RJ Hampton in you know 33 minutes puts up 16 points. However, you want to look at their efficiency, what they're shooting from the floor last that night is the biggest indicator of how you know they're growing into this team and growing into themselves as a player because they're they're young. But anyway, so RJ shoots you know over 50 percent from the field, uh, 40 percent, two of five from three. Wendell Carter has 16 points as well, eight of 15, um, also shooting over 40 50 percent. Um, along with nine rebounds, four assists. Uh, then you look at guys like Chuma doing what he's continuing to do, 19 points. Would like to see him shoot a little bit better than seven for 17 from the field, but he does shoot two for six from three, which is average and whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you had Mo. Mo, I mean, foul trouble is his biggest thing, 11 points in 13 minutes, which is great. But in two for two from three, four for five from the field, Really have to keep the fouls fouls down there. Uh, Chasing Randall. Can I say I, one I don't thing really about Mo? A young guy, but I just want to yeah. say one thing about Mo really quickly is all the people that talk about how this kid doesn't want to play basketball. He doesn't, you know, doesn't have the motor, whatever. Like, give the kid credit. I had the, if this is the same stomach flu, which it sounds like it is because like my wife is telling me that it's all over. Like everybody has it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If it was anything like what I had, there was no way I'm playing basketball like that. So the fact that. Like, the team needed him to play, or else yeah. they would have been forced to forfeit. And he's still out there. Gave you, what was it, 10 points in 13 minutes? 11. 11 points Four in 13 minutes. Four for five from yeah. the field. And the two fouls two weren't three. great, obviously. But, like, just give the kid credit for even being out there. Like, that to me, that says a lot about a guy. Yeah, yeah. No, he he definitely has a motor, right? Um, it's just foul trouble. Yeah, even on nights when he doesn't have a snowing problem, like, foul trouble's a thing for him. It's going to have to be something that he can overcome, um, not letting guys get by him and, you know, feeling like he has to foul so he doesn't give up an easy bucket. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the cornerstone of, of big men playing defense is can't get blown by and, and you can't panic and, and just swat at nothing um, except their body to get a foul so they have to shoot free throws. And, um, yeah, I mean, Jonathan, from this point, after what I've seen, Wendell Carter just is is, is better than Mo Bamba right now and and it's going to continue to be that way because it looks like he's going to be the guy that gets the minutes he played 33 minutes last night granted Mo fouled out but I don't think there's any universe where Mo ever really plays a game again um, at least this year where he gets more minutes than Wendell and except under certain circumstances yeah so let's let's talk about Wendell so a couple of things before we get into this conversation that I want to make really clear so Chase and Randall, especially once Cole gets back, Chase and Randall should totally be out of the lineup. Like right now, RJ Hampton should be starting. If Michael Carter-Williams comes back, Michael Carter-Williams should be the backup point guard. If you need to play Michael Carter-Williams and Chase and Randall because of health, injuries, illness, whatever, that's fine. Chase and Randall should not be starting as the point guard for the Orlando Magic the rest of the year. And then also Wendell. When Ken comes, Kem comes back, Wendell still needs to be starting for this team the rest of the year. Do you think, Wendell do you think he is will? the. I don't know. I, I hope so. I don't, I don't think so. 
I'm probably right there with you because Cliff is really going to be hesitant to just award a I guy mean, who just got on his team the starting role. Right. Um, all that being said, like Wendell is the best center on this team, right? Rebounding is is kind of a question. I mean, he's putting the numbers up, but he doesn't really seem to. I mean, at certain times we're seeing him body, you know, like like Jokic last night. Like there were a few times where he just dropped his shoulder into Jokic and just went up with no problem. But would like to see the rebounding numbers be a little bit better. But so far with the Magic in five games, okay, so for his career averages 11 points, eight rebounds on 51% shooting from the floor, 23% from the three-point line, uh, 52% effective field goal percentage. Not a great shooter. Like he's shown a little bit of touch from the mid-range, but definitely hasn't extended out his range to the three-point line. And then even this year, uh, 32 games with the with the Chicago Bulls, 10.9 points, 7.8 rebounds, 51% from the floor, 52% or excuse me, yeah, 52% effective field goal percentage. Five games with the Magic, and now five games is a small sample size, but he is, in my opinion, he does not look like a guy lacking confidence. That's what a, like if you go to the Chicago Bulls Reddit when the Vooch trade was made. People were asking, like, what can we expect from Wendell Carter Jr. in Orlando? And a lot of those guys' responses were, Jim Boylan broke his confidence here in Chicago. He just looked unsure of himself, didn't play with a high motor while he was on the floor. They were very much convinced that Jim Boylan broke Wendell Carter. And I would kind of compare that to what Scott Skiles did to Mario Hazonia. <laughs> Again, people will argue about Mario Hazonia forever. But in my opinion, what we saw out of him that first summer league game, and yes, it, it's summer league, I understand, but the shooting touch that he had, the swagger that he played with, he would play with a little bit of that in Orlando, but as soon as he made a mistake, Scott Skiles was yanking him over and over and over again, didn't let him play through mistakes. And when that happens enough, some guys, it, it kind of breaks them. And some people thought that maybe that's what's going on with Mo Bamba, is that Steve Clifford won't just leave him in enough to get the minutes, whatever he needs. But back to Wendell, 15 points now with the Magic, 15 points a game in five games, 9.4 rebounds, shooting 59% from the floor, 60.6% effective field goal percentage, Luke. Wendell Carter, again, should be starting for the rest of the year, in my opinion, should be the starting center next year. So I tweeted out at the, the earlier part of this week as, as Chuma, you know, was doing his thing, um, it was probably against the Los Angeles Clippers in a game in which he had 18 points, four rebounds, two assists, three steals, seven of 11 from the floor that night. And I tweeted, we have a legitimate three guys now. We know Markell is good. We know Jonathan Isaac is incredible. And it looks like Chuma Okiki is definitely going to be a legitimate good starter in this league. Now when you look at Wendell, again, it's just five games, but if this is the player that he's going to be, we have legit four guys ready to go next year. If you're telling me we're getting 15 and 9 from Wendell on a regular basis, and we're putting him with Chuma, with J.I., with Markel, like that's a heck of a start to a rebuild. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Wendell is going to be a 15 and 9 guy next year. I think that there is a lot of guys that will demand demand not necessarily demand the ball because there are a lot of selfless players on the team especially coming in the next year of Markel and J.I. and then obviously Chuma is very selfless as well but 
I don't think that Wendell's really going to get the chance to go 15 and, 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 you know, 15 and nine, 15 and 10, whatever next year. I think that he'll, you know, take a little bit of a hit on the points per game. And, you know, let's see where he ends at the end of this year when Kim gets thrown into the lineup and he is having to split some minutes too. That being said, I do think Wendell is the guy that, that the Magic can have who we can count on not to make the big mistakes but not to be incredible either. I don't need our center to be incredible. You know, we were very spoiled with Vucevic, who was incredible for the organization for so long and especially the last few years. But when you have guys like Markell and, and J.I. and Chuma and then you add a top five, hopefully, draft pick and then maybe a top 10, top 12 draft pick, I don't need much from Wendell. Just stay in your lane, get the rebound, get better at rebounding. That's what he needs to work on any time that he can during games, positioning, that type of thing. He, you know, he's just not there in terms of his way of rebounding. The numbers show he's a decent, a good rebounder, but I just don't think that the numbers are true to that reflection. Um, so I would love to see him, you know, work on his positioning a little bit um, throughout the remainder of the season and the off season, just get better. He's got to do that while RJ Hampton's got to work on tightening his handles. There's just things that these guys have to work on to kind of tweak their game to, you know, cater to the guys that are going to be healthy next year and what the team needs as a whole. And I think they'll have no problem doing that. So, you know, I, I think that it's a, it's a great team. I don't, they said this, when the trade deadline happened, everybody said like, oh, the Magic blew it up. And for the sake of the term, the Magic blew it up. But I'm, I, people are arguing about like, what do we call this, a rebuild or a retool? I really think this could be a retool. I really think that you put in guys, you know, the guys that are hurt this year and put them in next year. Why not? They, they, they're going to take some time to get some chemistry going. Markel's not going to probably be there the first, I don't know, month of the season. Who knows for sure. Uh, depending on his progress, we really don't know too much. So, yeah, I, I'm i not too sure, Jonathan, what ends up happening with this team, but I, I do think that I'm calling it a retool. I think that this team has the ability to make the playoffs next year. Um, whether that, you know, I don't know if they'll do a play-in game. I don't know if that's here to stay. Um, regardless, I think that they can kind of fight for that that playoff spot next year, whether that is an 8 or 7 seed, but but it's different now. Because the young guys are in control. It's not an A.G. Fournier, Vucevic playoff anymore. Like, they, they, they weren't the guys in the in those playoffs these past couple years. They're going to be the guys next year. And if we can get a playoff appearance out of them, I, I think that'll be great. The team doesn't need another top pick if you really believe one of these guys is going to be the guy, whether it's the draft prospect or them. So I feel like we're probably somewhere in the middle between – a rebuild and a retool maybe it's like a reset just like get rid of a few of these guys take a step back evaluate what we have in the rest of these guys and it turns out that a couple of these guys seem like they're going to be pretty good you add Jonathan Isaac Markel Fultz potentially a top four pick and then all of a sudden it seems like okay we're ready to go and like you said possibly we're in contention for a playoff spot next year which would be a really big deal in my opinion so yeah. you and I talked about this a little bit like immediately after the trade where it was like we don't really know what we're getting with Wendell. We don't really have – we're not really sure what we have with Mo. I mean, Kim isn't really part of the long-term vision. So we were like, man, if you end up with the top three pick, then kind of everything, it, it, it it's wide open as far as who the Magic could take. Because at two or three, 
It's probably going to be Cade number one if you don't get the number one pick. At two, it could be Evan Mobley. Some people think it could be Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. And we talked about, like, if the Magic end up with the number two pick and you don't really, you're not really sure if you have anything with Wendell Carter, you don't really think you have anything in Mo, then maybe that opens the door for Evan Mobley to be the pick at number two out of USC. And as I still think that's a very big possibility because at the end of the day, he's still going to be the guy that has the most upside out of the three of those guys. But maybe this changes the Magic's mind. If Wendell Carter is able to, you know, play pretty close to this level for the next, you know, 23, 22 games, whatever it is that we have left, if he finishes the season averaging 15 and 9 while he was in a Magic uniform this season, I think if the front office gets to number two, they could be like, maybe we play a little bit more for role here than or or fit than we do for. The, the best player available if they think maybe that's Evan Mobley or maybe it's Jalen Green. I think at this point in the, the rebuild like or reset, retool, whatever it is that we're calling it, it really seemed like the first co- like the fr- first press conference from Jeff Weltman where it was like we're just going to get as many, he called it, bites at the apple as we can, get as many assets and as many draft picks as we can. But if you really believe that Wendell Carter can be even close to this, like maybe it's not – 15 and 9 but he's a guy that's capable of doing that on any given night maybe it's like maybe he scores a little bit less and focuses more on the rebound and it's like 13 and 11 if you're going to give 13 and 11 you know starting center and then you're really going to focus the offense through Markel and then J.I. get Chuma some looks and possibly like a Jalen Suggs or a Jalen Green that's a pretty good starting five for your young core to start building on so what 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 are your thoughts on that? Do you think the play of Wendell Carter has the potential to alter the way the Magic are gonna like the thought process is gonna work going into the draft? Yeah, I, I think that, that the way he he plays could alter it a little bit, but I think that if 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 the front office like regardless of how Wendell plays the, the remainder of this year, if the front office goes into the draft knowing that they're going to pick best available and they have deemed it Evan Mobley. They're going to do it. I, I don't think that. And, and then you phase Mo out and Wendell's the backup might hurt people to hear, <laughs> but, but I, I'm not, you know, against that. Right. I mean, Mo just keeps getting hit with all these health things, whether it's COVID, whether it's just his condition and his conditioning takes a hit. It's a stomach bug. And, whatever and obviously the stomach bug is not a long-term thing it just feels like the, it, the hits keep coming for Mo Bamba and at some point yes I feel bad for the guy but if, if you can get Mobley and put Wendell on the bench your bench unit looks incredible at that point I mean in terms of potential not necessarily right away don't don't get that twisted but yeah I, I think that you could have Wendell off the bench and you you pair him with the other guys that'll come off the bench like you know maybe a, a Cole R.J. Hampton Wendell Terrence Ross like that's a solid nine guys deep that you are at that point um, with Mobley starting so I I don't I don't know at this point I just I just hope that the Magic are bad enough to to attain a, a top three pick because I'm kind of getting a little I'm getting a little worried. I chimed in on the Twitter the other day during the game, and I said, hey, y'all ready for that play-in game? Obviously, the Magic ended up blowing the game, and it ends up being a freezing cold take. And I was really, really kidding, because the Magic are not going to make a play-in game this year. But I am worried that they're going to be in that limbo of, like, between not being top three but not being in the play-in game, which 
you don't gain anything in that instance. Well, so right now the Magic are four games out of the play-in game. Uh, right now the – so let's let's really just talk about the six through uh, ten seeds because the Hawks have been playing much better as of late. The Miami Heat uh, have been playing much better as of late. They've won three in a row and four in a row respectively. So the Charlotte Hornets, after losing LaMelo Ball for probably the rest of the season a few weeks ago, now they're, they've lost Gordon Hayward – uh, for what what looks like is going to be an extended period of time, but then you've got the Celtics at twenty five and twenty five, the Knicks twenty five and twenty six, the Pacers twenty two and twenty six, and then the Bulls uh, twenty and twenty eight right now. And again, the Magic at seventeen and thirty three as it stands today are, are four games out of the the play in game. So it's not impossible. It's incredibly unlikely. So my question is, Luke, Otto Porter didn't play last night. Ken Burch didn't play last night. Michael Carter-Williams didn't play last night. Cole Anthony is going to be coming back soon. Gary Harris is supposed to be ready in the, the next couple of weeks or so. You get all of those guys back, and you get, like, Chase and Randall isn't playing as much. Maybe maybe Dwayne Bacon isn't playing as much. Mo isn't playing as much. This team might be too good to end up in the bottom three or four, which is where the tankers, and if you're looking at the draft odds, that's really where you want to be. So right now at four, you have like a 48.1% chance of ending up in the top four. You have, I think, an 11.5% chance of ending up number one overall. If you get into the bottom three, then it's like a 52% chance that you're going to end up in the top four, and you have a 14% chance of the number one pick overall. Those guys come back and start playing well, the way that this team has just been playing, and give it up to Clifford, right? Like so many people are, is Clifford the right guy for this rebuild? And we can talk about his yeah. comments from last night. Um, you know, just the fact that like if you want to play at this level, you want to play in the league, there are certain things that you have to do, and you can't make certain mistakes. You, you can't, you know, play with like, you know, poor effort and things like that. And a lot of people thought that was unfair. And although I didn't have the same perspective that Cliff had last night, like in my opinion, second night of a back-to-back, you've got really, you've got really five healthy guys, and then you played two sick ones and one guy with a bad hamstring. So with what was really five healthy guys, you were up 19 on the Denver Nuggets at one point. You were in the game in the fourth quarter. You just got beat by the the better, more experienced, more healthy, more healthy, less fatigued team. So, you know, we talk about how there's no moral victories and blah, 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 blah. In my opinion, for the young guys, last night was a moral victory. Young guys played well. You were in a competitive game with one of the, the better teams in the NBA. So while I didn't share the same perspective that Clifford had, I'm glad that Clifford has that perspective. I don't yeah, share I mean, it, but I think yeah. that's what is better for this team right now. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, and, and listen, a lot of that is – is twofold right like you've got it that yes that is a great thing but it wasn't a great thing i don't know a couple months ago when mo bamba was getting yanked from the wasn't even getting playing time but i guarantee you it's because cliff's holding mo accountable in practice and whatever there's a reason mo wasn't playing and and we you know yelled and screamed about that which we're we just wanted to see and guess what we were now right we so let's like let's be for real though like even we we said if you don't have anything, you need to find out. You can't just wonder whether or not we but, have but something Cliff, in the guy. Cliff thought 
Cliff thought due to whatever it was, the minimal practices they got, the however it was, Cliff thought, like, I already know what I know. I don't, like, it's not like he was fielding fan questions and whatever. Like, he he, yeah. he knew. And, and guess what? He was right. So, yes, we were right for wanting to know because we're just fans and that's what we want to know. But Cliff was right. And Mo is not who, like, so far, who we thought – Mo shows flashes. He does great things, but give me a guy like Wendell Carter who comes in and just stays in his lane and and plays hard. Like Mo plays hard, but Wendell is just like steady, and that's what you need at center when you're looking at other positions to get you a bucket. I don't need Wendell to be some superstar, as I've already said. Um, so yeah, and my question to you is, if the Magic somehow make the play-in game. And it's not because of a guy like Otto Porter who probably gets, you know, they let him walk this offseason. But if it's Gary Harris, if it's Wendell Carter Jr., if it's Chuma, if it's Cole, if Cole comes back and he looks great, do you think it's a, like, do you think it's catastrophic if the Magic make the playing game and don't get a top pick? So what I will say is it's, it's like a, it's a catch 22. I'm not going to say it's like a catch 22. It absolutely is a catch 22 because, you know, you don't end up with a, a top pick that way, right? However, the lottery is a lottery. You have no idea what's going to happen. We've seen it time and time again during the Hennigan era where we thought we were going to end up with a, a top three pick or whatever, and then it turned into it was Aaron Gordon, and then it was, you know, it also Alfred Payton, and it was Mario Hazonia, and then it would have been Demonis Sabonis, right? And then it was... You know, Jonathan Isaac, I think they, they hit on that. But as of right now, we can't say that Jonathan Isaac is Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a two-time All-Star right now. Then it was Mo Bamba instead of Trey Young or Luka Doncic, which we can all agree Mo Bamba is not Trey Young. He's not Luka Doncic. So we've seen bad things happen in the lottery. It's very much possible. You go right now to tankathon.com and you run that simulation, I guarantee you you're, if you hit that button enough time, you're going to get tra- traumatized with – like Chicago ending up with the number one pick and the Magic end up with the seventh. Like stuff like that happens when you run this. And that's possible, right? The thing is, when you're starting a rebuild and you have young guys and you just have a bunch of young guys on your team and you can start looking around and if that does happen, then we're looking at Wendell Carter being very good, Chuma Okiki being very good, Gary Harris being very good, RJ Hampton looking like he can be very good, Cole Anthony being very good. Then all of a sudden, we've got J.I., we've got Markel. All of a sudden, you're looking around, and you have five to seven guys who are under you know, 25 years old, basically. And you're like, yeah. we're, we're ready to go. Like We're, we're ready to well, compete at least in a couple of years or so because that's what you want. In a rebuild, you want to see your young guys good enough to be competitive and win games. What is the point of a rebuild if that's not the goal? If the goal wasn't for the young you, guys to be good and to succeed, then you don't move Vooch, Evan, and AG, and you just keep the same old, same old. Do you remember the conversation we had at All-Star break when we had Vooch on the team, when we had uh, AG on the team, when we had Evan Fournier on this team? The conversation you and I sat down and had on that pod was, man, worst, hardest strength of schedule the rest of the year. No way this team sniffs a play-in game. And now the Magic are four games back, being led by a bunch of young guys, and now we're saying, oh, hold on a minute. This team could really 
give us some problems in terms of our emotional stability because they could make a run at a play-in game. You bring guy, you bring Cole back, and you phase out Jason Randall, who is – I don't need to say anything about him, right? So you bring in Cole, and, and granted, like I said, I don't think this team makes a play-in. But how crazy is it that after the Magic blow up the team – we're just as confident, if not more confident, that this team would make a play and run with the current roster. So this is this is what I'm gonna say, and I don't think this has really been talked about enough. Yes, this team has shown signs of, you know, being competitive and, and playing really hard and being a lot of fun and being in these games. But I think we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Like I don't want to be the guy that's like you know that's gonna rain on the parade and everything like that. But let's take a look at the last, you know, six or seven games here since we've made these trades and, and kind of look how it's all played out. So you lose to Portland 112 to 105. No Damian Lillard. You lose to Los Angeles, the Lakers 96 to 93. No AD. No LeBron James. You beat the Clippers 103 to 96 without Paul George, right? You you beat New Orleans 115 to 110. No Lonzo Ball. No Brandon Ingram, no Zion Williamson. Then you get destroyed by a healthy Utah team, 137-91. You basically get destroyed in the second half by the Nuggets, a healthy Nuggets, once they woke up and realized, okay, we actually need to play and, and, and not screw around with these guys. Then you lose 119-109. to So, like, we've won games that, like, we probably shouldn't win, but we are also not playing these games, these teams at full strength at least. Like, it seems like the first one, two, three, four, five, six games now, teams are trying to figure out, like, the new look magic, and they're really overlooking them. Like, when you're like, ah, oh, Dame, we'll be fine tonight. You can sit. Obviously, KD and LeBron, uh, AD and LeBron, those guys are out. Paul George, you can sit tonight. Lonzo, Brandon, Zion, take the night off. We're playing the magic. You guys will be fine. Right? But then when you get to, to some of these other guys, like Utah, they are, you know, probably still overlooked you know the best record in the NBA to this point but they're still overlooked people don't really take them all that seriously as a title contender same thing with Denver they're trying to integrate AG and get him going so then you get two two teams that are are taking things a little bit more seriously and you get destroyed so I think we should slow down just a little bit we still have a month and a half of basketball left yeah but they got destroyed three games the magic got destroyed by teams they should get destroyed by they beat teams they shouldn't have beat. You should not beat with the roster that we have. You should not beat uh, a Clippers team even without, you know, even without one of their stars. You'd no business beating them. They beat them. So my point is like before these trades, like right when these trades happened, Jonathan. If we sat down and I asked you, if we play the Clippers today and they don't have a star, did the Magic win? I just don't think your answer would be the Magic would have won. I don't think – now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Magic are great right now. They're not. They get beat by 50. It doesn't matter who you play. You shouldn't lose by 50. A good team doesn't lose by 50. I don't think this team's great. I'm saying that it is better than everybody thought when the sky was falling the David Nikola Vucevic got traded. This team is just – they're better than we thought they'd be. They're fun. Did you think that this team would be fun – I didn't think this team was going to be fun. Chasing Randall's in the in getting heavy minutes for goodness sake. I didn't think this team would be fun at all. This team's fun. I I was I I have less trouble now 
getting up to turn my TV on and watch the Magic than I did when the team had Nikola Vucevic right before trade deadline. What is else is there to say? It's a fun team, and and next year it could be a good team. So I don't know. I don't know. I I would agree with you. It's definitely I'm more excited to turn the TV on right now and watch games. But like if we look back at that Clippers game, right? So again, no Paul George. Um, I forget who they have, Mark Keefe or, or Marcus, one of the one of the Morris twins. No Patrick Beverly, no Rondo in that game. That they shoot ten free throws total in that game. Uh, Reggie Jackson shoots three of eleven from three. Luke Kennard three of eight from three. Batum zero of three from three. And then you look at the Magic shoot twenty five free throws. Terrence Ross shot eight free throws in that game. That's got to be close to a season high for for Terrence Ross. So there were some things that happened in this game that just don't typically happen for the Magic and, and don't typically happen for the Clippers, right? So, like, yeah, you're right. If you would have told me we beat that Clippers team, I would have thought you were crazy going into that game. Or if at the trade deadline, if you told me we were going to beat the Clippers, like I, I would have thought that you were crazy. But all I'm saying is relax. There are still plenty of games to lose. And I think as teams start to take this team more seriously and prepare better and kind of are used to the way that we're running things now because we're not running everything through Evan and and Nick like you know they're gonna get more acclimated to what we're doing and and it's gonna be tougher for us to do things like especially the Utah game we obviously we couldn't shoot the ball but like Utah gave us no airspace to do anything because that's a good defensive team and I just think as teams, again, get more acclimated to what the Magic are doing, you're going to start to see the Magic, especially guys like R.J. Hampton or or maybe even Chum as he starts to get more attention. Like we saw him on, you know, matched up with A.G. last night. And, yeah, Okiki had 19 points, but there were also some very obvious times where Okiki had the ball and A.G. was like, I'm just not going to let this dude score on me right now. And Okiki would take... Mm-hmm two to three dribbles and be like, all right, I'm not getting anywhere. Let me give the ball up. And that's kind of what you want out of Okiki. You don't want him to try to be what Aaron Gordon tried to be at times and try to create things for himself. But, no, the team is definitely more fun than it was a couple of weeks ago. There is a slight part of me that is concerned that as we start to get guys back, we're, we're going to be a little bit too good. And I think, like the other night, we saw Otto Porter not play because of left foot pain. Like, it wasn't even, like, a descriptive injury, like a foot strain or something like that. It was just, oh, Otto has some foot pain. At this point in the year, what guy doesn't have foot pain? So I think it's going to be up to the front office. It's going to be up to the training staff to do a little bit of, you know, uh, creative tanking here. Um, You know, when it comes to trying to lose games down the stretch here. Because we see other teams do it all the time. Steve Clifford, the guys on the floor, their goal should absolutely be to win games. But, you know, maybe the front office has to step in at some point and say, hey, relax a little bit. So, Well, they're going to. They're going to. And it, and that's going to probably what is going to pump the brakes, especially on a playing game potential. Um, You know, I, I all the Magic need to do is have top three worst record. And then they all have the same percent chance to get that number one pick, right? Um, for those of you guys that aren't too sure, because that was a few years ago that they changed that 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 rule for the odds on on draft night uh, for lottery night. Sorry, um, you know the, those top three worst teams are going to all have a fourteen percent chance the number uh, one pick, and then from then you know number four pick gets a twelve and a half percent chance of one, Pistons ten and a half percent chance, and so on and so forth. And it's pretty much like 
let's see yeah it drops like pretty much a percent and a half ish um for a little bit there so um yeah just the goal is top three worst record the magic got front office knows this um i won't be surprised if you do see more randall than you want um and any other guy that you see right now that you don't want in the rotation just to kind of solidify that that top pick i do hope that that happens um however i do note that this team is better than i thought it was going to be um but yeah they'll they'll come back down to earth and people will have film and they'll you know match up better and maybe you know near the end of the year especially these teams are you know definitely fighting because they they you know whether they're a half game back of you know a better seed and whatever in the tournament uh in the playoffs so interesting to see how it'll shake up jonathan but i needless to say i don't think the sky's falling in orlando i i'm i'm very content with what's going on there so all of the scores for tonight's games luke have wrapped up houston Mm. unsurprisingly ended up blowing it against the rockets they lose 133 to 130 again we talked against the suns yeah so we talked about the you fact that Houston the Timberwolves lost to the Rockets. I was just oh, Houston lost to the Suns. I'm an, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Don't forget that. The Timberwolves uh, beat the Kings 116 to 106. The Pistons beat the Thunder 132 to 108. The Cavs beat the Spurs 125 to 101. Luke. So as we're looking at the roster, right? So right now we're really looking at Minnesota. Uh, we're looking Standings. at Houston. What's that? You said let's look you at say? the roster. We're looking at the stand. We're looking at we're the looking standings at the schedule. The roster. Well, I don't know what the heck's <laughs> going on with my brain right now. So as we look at the standings, the teams below us. So we're looking at Detroit. We're looking at Houston. We're looking at Minnesota. Right now, we are two games up on Houston. We're four games up on the Rockets. We're two games up on Detroit. Why did I keep saying Houston? What is going on with my brain? We're two games up on Detroit. We're four games up on the Rockets. We're four and a half games up on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So as you look at the schedules. A lot of these bad teams are going to be playing each other as we get down the rest of the the rest of the season here. So Sunday, April fourteenth, we play Houston. Okay, then uh, Sunday, May 9th, we play Minnesota, and then we also play the Pistons on May the third in Detroit. So Minnesota still has one more game against Houston, one more game against Detroit, and then uh, Houston only has the the one game against Minnesota. Looking here just to confirm that as far as the bottom four goes. So if the Magic go 0 for 3 against Houston, against Detroit, against Minnesota, and then lose some of these other games that they probably should lose, there is a chance the Magic end up in the top three. And in my opinion, the way that the basically the front office has chosen this direction that we're going, that's probably best that this team stays competitive in these games You know, through the last five or six weeks of the regular season here ends up losing a lot. And then you're going to see those games, those three games in particular, Detroit, Houston, Minnesota. We might get to the point of like, who is going to out tank who in those games? Like you're going to see some ridiculous things potentially down the stretch, uh, especially depending on how the standings are working out at that time. Like we might just see games where, Chase and Randall plays more minutes than Cole Anthony and, and Dwayne Bacon plays more minutes and James Ennis plays more minutes than Chuma Okiki and Mo plays more minutes than Wendell Carter. Like you might see some crazy things down the stretch if that bottom three is still within reach the last couple of weeks, because I would hope that even at that time Clifford could be like, 
you know what, there's there's nine games left. What are we really doing here at this point? Yeah. So, ah, uh, man, it's just it's going to be a stressful last couple of months here as we get closer to the the draft lottery because you end up with one of these guys and it, you know, they turn into a guy that could be an all star. You turn the franchise around. Like next year, if Jalen Green is a guy who can have a, a rookie season similar to like what Lamelo Ball was doing this year, where he's just running away with rookie of the year. And Jalen Green is a guy next year that averages like 17, 18 points a game. And you've got Markel and J.I. and Chuma and Wendell and R.J. and and Cole. Like, then we're really talking about this team being a playoff team next year. And then you start to look around at like, okay, we still have all of our draft picks. We have the 2023 Bulls pick. We have the 25 Denver pick. We've got, at, at that point, if it is Jalen, you have a little bit of a logjam at the guard position. And then it's like... What what star isn't all that happy? Who can we go and get to put with that like starting five? And then you're really talking about two to three years from now possibly being in contention. And that's the dream. That's the best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, a lot of things have to go Orlando's way. Uh, players need to develop. Um, picks need to, you know, ping pong balls need to bounce their way. I mean, I'm I get I think about lottery night and I get nervous. Like I I legitimately get nervous. I hope that that night. Um, what what's the date of that? Is that June something? June twenty second. Yeah. So I hope June twenty second. It's it's me and you on a Zoom call. Whether we're live streaming, I don't know if we can. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle. So this it. is the thing. This is the only thing that I'm worried about. That yeah, is especially with like live streaming you and I when we watch games like you watch games I think how are you watching games is it is it streams yeah 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 right. work around watching games through AT&T now so usually I'm anywhere when it comes to cable on a 40 second to like 70 second delay a lot of times so I almost like late game situations I have to put my phone 15 yeah, feet same. away from me, face down, yeah, do take off my Apple Watch so I don't get any notifications on how the end of the game went. Lottery night, I'm probably going to have to be at a bar somewhere watching it live so it doesn't get ruined for me other, any other way because I don't want either to get like the rug just ripped out from underneath me prematurely, but if we end up with like the first, second, or third pick, I don't want that... like unbridled joy ripped away from me either you, i want to be able to experience that in real time but what if you experience agony at a bar live is that what you want to experience that then i i scream and i say <laughs> i need another I one i need another one i need another one <laughs> thank you sir may i have another um exactly yeah no I, i'm i am interested in a lot of ways of how that's gonna go i'm interested where we're gonna be watching from um, I'm interested where the what what pick the Magic are going to get. I'm interested who eventually they will take. You know what is that a month later or something. Um, so yeah, I it's going to be a whole lot of stress. If you think the the, the final couple months of the season are going to be stressful, man, lottery night is going to be insane. The worst part of the lottery is the fact that they start at 14 and they just oh they just surely rip your... their work the way up. If they would just be like, all right, the first pick is this, the second pick is this, the third pick is this, but the fourth pick is this. Everybody's turning off their we, TV at that point. That's it's all about the ratings. 
oh, bro, it's just going to be like, I'm going to be so terrified that once we start to get to like 10, 8, you know, well, 10, 9, 8, That 7, we're just going to see our name pop up on like a 6 or 5. You see your name pop up, and then you're just like, oh, the Bulls, the Bulls jumped into the top five. Ugh. And then we're all like, oh, God, <laughs> what's happening? And then we've talked about this, and Luke Jalil, if you guys follow him on Twitter, he put up a poll today, like, what's the worst scenario? The Magic sliding and the Bulls getting a top four pick or both teams sliding? And in my, in my opinion, the worst possible case scenario is the Magic falling to, like, six or seven and the Bulls ending up with, like, a top, you know, four pick, obviously. We wouldn't get the pick. But especially if it's, like, one or two. Because at that point, not only did you trade away Vooch to them, and then they end up getting, like, Cade or, or maybe Jalen. Because with you just traded for Vooch. You don't draft Evan Mobley. But they, they you know, draft Cade or, or they draft Jalen Green. That's just going to complete would completely rip my heart out. So that's one of the, the things that I'm really just terrified for and that I hope doesn't happen. But, yeah, I'm probably going to have to watch that at a bar. I might have to. You might have to go to a bar and, and watch that live in real time, or maybe I'll, I'll FaceTime you because it, it's been so long, and I'm hoping that by June it will be safe. You know, as more people get vaccinated and everything like that, it will be more safe to get back to doing like the meetups that I used to do a lot right. around here in the Tampa area with other Orlando Magic fans. I would like to be able to do that for the draft lottery. That way, if I'm if I'm experiencing agony, at least I'm You're experiencing with it with other Magic fans. Misery loves company. Then we just you know drink until we forget about what happened <laughs> but yeah man I, i'm i'm just gonna con- i'm gonna stress out no matter what happens for the next few weeks here because even if the magic you know end up in the playing game and you end up like 10 you're still technically in the lottery and you just never know what can happen at that point like the other night i told you i was playing 2k i was playing my gm <laughs> and i had a one percent chance of getting the top pick at 14 and i ended up with the top pick in the 2022 draft, I drafted Emony Bates. So I had Emony Bates and Jalen Green at that point. And then in 2024, the Magic won a title. So that was just like, man, if that happened in real life, I I, I tweeted that. And I was like, God, if you're listening, <laughs> please let that happen because that would just be phenomenal. But, yeah, yeah man, it's going to be a, a rough, rough couple of months. But I don't have anything else. Do you? No, man. Nope. Just going to continue stressing nightly, um, hoping that the t- the games stay competitive, but the Magic still lose. Um, because while I would love for us to lose and continue to improve our odds, I, I still I'm going to be watching these games. So I, I really would like for the team to be competitive and the young guys to really spearhead that. Be competitive and then... And then like lose. I don't like these games where it's like, oh, we're being so competitive, we're down three with thirty-seven seconds left. I don't really love that. My thing is like, be really competitive, like be tied going into the last four minutes, and then lose by twelve. Like, <laughs> save me, save, save me the heartache, yeah. save me the heart attack in the in the the last four minutes of the game there. But no, this team's definitely been a lot of fun. Looking at the score of the national championship game right now, sixty-seven to fifty-one. Gonzaga's down sixteen with just under 13 minutes to go so it's looking like Baylor is going to be the the national champions but yeah Luke I don't have anything else man um obviously same time next week 
Uh, we've gotten a lot of new followers lately, especially on Twitter, which has been amazing. So if you're a new listener of the podcast, yep. if you've never filled out an Apple uh, podcast review for us, please do that. Just helps us keep you know moving up the charts and um, better ratings are, are, are definitely great. We've got some suspect ratings uh, in our Apple uh, podcast, so we're trying to get those to, to kind of go away. So if you're one of those folks, I, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, but anyways, but. Anyways, for Luke, this has been Jonathan. Thank you guys so much for listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!